0: Welcome to Smut Lovers, the podcast. The one place designed to talk about all things smut. For years, the word has carried negativity, but it's time to take back and own it. In each episode, you will spend time with spicy romance author Nikki Rome as she interviews readers, authors, and kinksters about all things romance. Do you have a book you love, but you've been too afraid to talk about it? Leave all that worry at the door and join us as we dig into what we love and what we hate about smutty books. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Smut Lovers of Podcast. My name is Nikki Roma, spicy romance author, and I am here with EJ Frost tonight. Thank you, EJ, for being here. Hello. <laughs> Let me tell you a little bit about her as we get started. Uh, so, lawyer by day, writer of smut by night. Totally love that. Uh, She's an author of 10 published novels, several novellas, numerous short stories, and she writes characters that you want for your best friends and couples who would burn down the world for each other, as they sometimes do. I love it. Because, yeah, I mean, who doesn't love characters that do that? (laughs) Absolutely. You want to go and have a coffee with them after they finish burning the world down. Absolutely. Like besties for life. <laughs> uh, it's great to have you. I'm so happy you're here tonight to chat with us a little bit about all the smutty things. So let's just jump right into it. Um, lawyer by day, writer by night, kind of curious. I mean, I was like financial wizard person in the day and then smut writer by night. So I mean, it's natural. I feel like like people who have jobs like that, like you need some gosh, type of thing that is the outlet. exact opposite of what you do regularly. <laughs> so when did you start writing all this money fun stuff? And was romance always a love for yours even as a reader? Or did you just kind of, oh, I, I can already see your head shaking now. So, so tell me the story. <laughs> no, I was a sci-fi girl. Oh, I read goodness. Dune
1: when I was way too young at about eight and began and began yeah my reading journey through science fiction and um, I I vaguely remember sort of my mid to later teens discovering that science fiction had this really smutty undertone to it that you could find <laughs> if you kept poking away at it. And the Gore novels in particular by John Norman um, and then the, the Mida novels by Sharon Green were what finally opened my eyes to the fact that science fiction could get away with all of this really juicy, dirty stuff. It was great. It was totally great. Um, and so people would I, I would get. Involved in these, you know, science fiction groups where we were writing and reading together and and everybody would be reading, you know, Asimov and, and Herbert and all this really, like heavy serious I thought I'd be like well I just I want to read my Joe Clayton and my my John Norman over here in the corner and talk about you know how he chained her ankles together after he made her dance. (laughs) I always knew I knew from my teens that I had an interest in things that other people might not have uh, had an interest in Um, and I sort of developed that going into my 20s, I got a degree um, in English and philosophy, which is uniquely useless uh, if you ever (laughs) want to be employed (laughs) in a real job, um, and made my way to law school uh, after that as a way to support my family. Uh, Law school taught me to write very well and to write very analytically, but not very creatively. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I got accepted into a summer writing program uh, that featured uh, Mercedes Lackey, I don't know if you remember her, but she uh, was a mm-hmm. fantasy writer and uh, was incredibly critical of the smut that I kept turning in uh, <laughs> <credit> for her class. <laughs> she did have some, some sort of steamier scenes in her books, but she certainly wasn't impressed by the stuff that I was reading. Uh, writing. Um, and then I, uh, after I went to law school, I got a job um, and made it through the first couple of years as a young associate at a Boston law firm. Uh, I began writing again in my theoretical spare time um, and joined the uh, online writers' workshop for science fiction and fantasy. Oh, wow. And I workshopped several novels there um, wow. and got great feedback. And But again, my content was incredibly um, raunchy Spancy. in comparison to what <laughs> was being <laughs> posted by other people. And so I finally got um, a, a critique by one of the resident editors of the workshop and of course they pulled my sex scene to critique <laughs> all right when right into it <laughs> when i got the critique the first thing i did was go and throw up oh my um, goodness <laughs> i was so i was so nervous critiquing my smut um and then i got uh, in touch with a number of people on there who would become friends through the critiquing process and they were all very supportive and encouraging uh, and that led to me uh, publishing my first novel Snowburn wow. um, in 2014 which is science fiction with a ton of smut in it uh, they have a, a dominant submissive relationship uh, in the book and there are a lot of spanking scenes and then the, <laughs> the final scene <laughs> the final scene is a sort of a full-on um, bondage and uh, spanking, and then a butt plug, and all oh, kinds of things. fun stuff. And that, for science fiction, that was really sort of, especially in 2014, before Ruby Dixon and and you know, various mm-hmm. people broke it open to uh, the spicier side of romance. Um, that was really uh, a little out there. Yeah. And I got a lot of blowback about it. This isn't science fiction. This is this is porn. And I was like, no, it's not. It's erotic romance. Um, And that's when I really began thinking that maybe I was not in the right genre. Mm -hmm. So I looked around quite a bit and I talked to a lot of other authors and they were like, you're writing romance. (laughs) You may not think you're writing romance, but you are in fact writing romance. Um, And so I began reading more widely in the romance genre. And I've been reading urban fantasy anyway, uh, because that was something that uh, I sort of came out of sci-fi and began reading more and more women's fiction.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And so women writers like Joe Clayton... Um, and Ursula Le Guin took me into um, writers like Laurel K. Hamilton and mm-hmm. uh, Ilona Andrews, mm-hmm. um, and so I was reading a lot of urban fantasy. And it doesn't have it doesn't always have a ton of smut in it, but there's mm-hmm. a lot of female experience mm-hmm. in those books, and a lot of power relationships um, in those books. And that's what got me attracted, I would say, into the romance genre. I've I've read well, I try to read about two hundred books a year. So, I've now read thousands of uh, romances, and I feel much more comfortable in the genre than I did when I published (laughs) (laughs) Snowburn. It was
0: just
1: a babe in the woods thinking that this was Yeah, this was all fun and all normal.
0: What an interesting journey to romance. I think you're probably (laughs) one of the most unique ones we've had so far on the podcast. (laughs) I mean I have people who've been like oh I just accidentally wrote a romance and then those who are like oh I've been a romance junkie since like my mom handed me a book at 18 you know that sort of thing but you really just kind of stumbled your way into this back door you know, very yeah back door. very back door um <laughs> the you know it's funny because like I and I talk about this I I was always a like a fantasy paranormal kind of reader, but I was always really drawn to the relationships that were in those books. And then I realized there was contemporary romance and my just brain exploded that like, oh, I could write a book. That's just the relationship. pretty much. Um, And it was all downhill from there. I'm total Laurel K. Hamilton junkie though, have been for the longest time, adore everything about her books. In fact, reading Harlequin was one of the things that had gotten me, reading again it was years had gone by and i picked it up in a bookstore in an airport because the cover was pretty and it was like the middle of a series, and I was like, Well, fuck it, this is what's here, I'm gonna read it. And I literally like did not put it down. Like I read it on the plane, got to the hotel, finished it while I was there, and I was like, Wow. We'll um, <laughs> yeah, but when you talk power dynamics and so forth, I mean her books are heavily sexual, most of them, but yes. the power d- dynamics between The male and female characters in her books, like the way the relationships unfold are just phenomenal to me, like very complex characters. And I don't know, I just love everything about it. So, But sci-fi, man, I just, oh, that stuff makes my brain just hurt. I've always loved
1: it. I always will love it. I, it's definitely still on the roster for me to write more science fiction. That's awesome. um, I don't want to. I don't want to leave it forever. Um, it hasn't been what I've been writing for the last sort of eight years, yeah. but it's, it's definitely there, and I still love reading it. Um, there's just something about sci-fi that allows you to explode boundaries in a way that. A lot of other sort of genres don't. And romance, unfortunately, I think uh, suffers from that a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Romance gets uh, sort of caught in its own tropes Mm -hmm. sometimes and fails to sort of bust out of them. And sci-fi lets you bust out of anything.
0: So let's talk about a little bit about sci fi romance, because obviously you've got a ton of experience there. Because there's things like monster romance and alien romance really? that have gained a shit ton of popularity on platforms yeah. like TikTok and so forth. And to me, like the question's always like, okay, wait, is this paranormal romance? Is this sci fi romance? I mean, if we're talking aliens, I'm kind of feeling like it's sci fi. But then we've got, I, I mean, so when you see some of these, like, have you been really excited to see the popularity of some of those books kind of hit? maybe more mainstream in the romance world and have you dived into a bunch of them? Are they what you're looking for? I guess I would ask from somebody who's been sci-fi and then grabs an alien book. Although, I mean, is science fiction aliens. I don't even know. It's also not confusing. necessarily. No. I feel like monster romance and alien romance are like their own thing in a way. Yeah. Um,
1: a lot of this is sort of a question of whether you're writing something where Whatever the other is, whether it's a monster or an alien, really is a person just wearing different skin, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Are, they, are they fuzzy? Do they have a tail? Do they have two penises? Do they have, mm-hmm. you know, stripes? Whatever, but they're really human underneath. They're not aliens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then you have both monster and alien romance where the, the, the monster or alien really is other, And a great example of this um, is Addison Cain or Eris Adderley. Eris Adderley wrote uh, We Are Nepenthe, and boy, are her aliens alien. They're not squid, but they're really close, and they're just not like us at all. Mm -hmm. They have a completely different culture. They have uh, completely different values, and... Reading that stuff, I just find mind exploding. That's the kind of thing that I'm looking for when I read monster or alien romance. I don't really want them to be human. Mm -hmm. I want them to be something really different.
0: Yeah,
1: That's not mainstream yet. Not as much. No. When you pick up a you know, a monster or alien romance—that's probably at the sort of close to the top of the charts. You're really getting a monster or an alien that's a human with different mm-hmm. colored skin, mm-hmm. and that's okay. There, you know, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And going back to Laurel K. Hamilton, her fae were were human mm-hmm. with different eye colors and different hair colors, and mm-hmm. very complex politics. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. really, they weren't all that alien. Mm-mm. You know, they weren't all that. Strange. And for creatures that had lived supposedly thousands of years, they didn't really have sort of the maturity and world weariness and ennui that you would think that a creature that old might actually have. Mm -hmm. Like if you compare that to Anne Anne Rice, right? Her vampires are. Ancient, oh, they're otherworldly,
0: yeah, exactly. Really strange creatures. Another junkie of race things too. <laughs> but you're no, right. So. Yes, they read very, very different. Very um, different. they they read mm-hmm. really, really differently. So Which they should, right? They should. I mean, I, I yeah. agree they
1: should. Um, another writer that who creates very alien creatures is S. Uh, S.P. Somtow, I think is how you pronounce it. I'm um, trying to write all the so that we can make notes <laughs> for some of them, but you're, <laughs> you're throwing bibliot- some names <laughs> out here. <laughs> S.P. Say that again. Somtow, S.O.M.T.O.W. I think. What do they
0: write?
1: Vampire Junction is the book that they wrote, and it is really other. They have a shape shifting vampire who was castrated as a little boy right before he's made a vampire, and he is. Weird like really mm-hmm. out there. He's not human. He shapeshifts into a shark at one point and eats his victim He's wow. he's really different yeah. really yeah. really different creature And that's the kind of stuff that i'm looking for right when I read Sci-fi romance or monster romance. That's what I want
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, And I kind of want that in my in my paranormal as well. Yeah, you know, I really you want, want to be different to the other
0: Yeah I read my first tentacle romance last year. It was an <laughs> M.M.
1: That's <laughs> I what Leona Pente is.
0: Yes. I met, actually, was it last year? Maybe the year before. Shea Montgomery is the author. She's a big M.M. romance author. And yep. um, I met her in Vegas at a conference. And she was like, just give it a try. And I was like, <laughs> okay. We She's like, I'm going to send you a book. I'm going to tell you which one to read. I was like, okay. And her aliens are aliens. Like, aliens. They are not of this world, very different culture. But what it appealed to me so much about the relationship between the two individuals was the DS dynamic that was just natural for this alien. And trying to explain, and I wish I remembered the names of the characters, I've read it too long. But he's trying to explain it to his little human pet that he's like... No, but this is my job. This is what I need. Like, this is who I am. This is what I am to you kind of thing. And it's just really nice. It was really nice. I really enjoyed it. Um, And that's as far as I went with it because, you know, I don't need any new obsessions. I've said that before on this podcast. That's why I've also not delved fully into a megaverse because I am terrified I will become obsessed. Oh, you'll be sucked down. Nope. I know. I know it'll be terrible. And then I'm going to want to write it. And then I'm going to be like, yeah, my whole world will just implode. So no, I'm keeping it at an arm's length away right now. <clears throat> but then, you know, but all these other different types of romances pop up and these like sci-fi paranormal worlds. And they always spark my interest. I mean, obviously yes. gargoyle romance is like suddenly popping up everywhere. And I, I love it too. I'm like, <laughs> that sounds like fun. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Uh, all right, so like, and I'm curious now because with what you know, I mean, like, how do you feel about Snowburn, Snowburn, your first Snowburn. book? Now, yeah. this many years later, I mean, after going through all these critique processes and everything, I mean, it's technically sci-fi romance, which sometimes is, is really hard to like market and find your readers Mm -hmm. and so forth um i know there's another romance author who's a good friend of mine rebecca hefner for those of you who are listening if you love sci-fi romance she's a total sci-fi junkie um she loves to tell everybody how she went you know space camp or whatever as a kid (laughs) oh yeah yeah she's like total science nerd and like is truly like recommitted herself to writing these sci-fi romance stories and again, but the relationship, and I've read some of her stuff and I really do enjoy it because the relationship is such a driving force in the book, right? Mm-hmm. Like I can take the sci-fi stuff moving around me if I'm focusing on the couple. Um, it's the full sci-fi that always this I'm like, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of fun stuff out there, but I've had conversations with her before. Like, it's just hard. Like, it's what I love to write. It's hard to find my people sometimes. It's a little hard to
1: find your people, and I will say that um, for Snowburn, I tend to find my people more on Twitter. Interesting. Strangely, than places like Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Um, and so I was an early sort of adoptee of, of Twitter, and I've been on there that platform since, I think, 2009, wow. yeah. Um. And, and I still am on Twitter a lot. Still use it. Um, and particularly yeah. sort of connect with sci-fi readers um, on Twitter. But it is it is a little hard to find your readers there. And I, I do find that for the sci-fi stuff, um, also with my paranormal, that I have more male readers
0: mm. than I
1: do in the straight romance or the DDLG romance uh, that I write. So and, and, I'm, and there's no issue with that. I'm perfectly yeah. happy to have male readers if they are comfortable reading what I'm writing, which right. sometimes they are and sometimes they're not. Um, <laughs> Snowburn's been up on Amazon for a really long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And has had various sort of review cycles and review stripping by Amazon, which is always my favorite thing. Um, And so there have been times when the reviews have been sort of like, what is this? What did I just read? I thought I was getting a science fiction book and I ended up, you know, in a hammock spanking, you know, with a butt plug. Okay.
0: <laughs> Surprise. Mom, I thought everybody loves butt stuff. it's not, not real. I don't know Oh my gosh, that's so weird. Bizarre. <laughs> Coming um, strictly from a romance reader, obviously. I'm like, what do you mean you all love butt stuff? <laughs> <laughs> how, can you, how can you not enjoy the vibrating buttons? Um so,
1: so yeah, so there have been times when people have been completely nonplussed uh, mm-hmm. by what that book ended up being. Um, and then there that. have been other times when people have come to it through the DDLG that I started publishing in two thousand and nineteen and' been like, oh, well, this is you know, wow. the same crazy characters that you write in DDLG contemporary suspenseful uh, you know, mystery. Um, but now they're in a, in a different planet right, facing different. you know environmental catastrophes and dealing with sort of underground gangs and of mutated humans um <laughs> so <laughs> um, so I, I think it depends on where they come from yeah what their expectations are but I've tried to make it really clear um, in the beginning of the book I mean they have sex on page I think it's eight of the book and they don't know each other (laughs) before that they meet and they immediately are outside of me bonking away. Yep. So I tried to make it really clear what kind of book this is. Um, and, and you know, people can take,
0: from that, what they like, what they will, yeah. and so you bring up a good point, and I was going to kind of segue there soon. So you also write in other genres as well, yeah. right? You've got your daddy books. Yep. Um, so tell us a little bit about some of the other things you've kind of jumped into, and what what attracted you to those genres? Um, uh, was it reading them? Was it no? Just being no, drawn you know, to write is a that?
1: passion is a personal passion of mine. So okay. I've been um, in and out of power exchange relationships uh, since two thousand. No, before that, 1996 um, was my first one. And I had a relationship with a young man uh, when I was living in Boston that I now know was a mommy little boy relationship but I didn't characterize it that way we were both really young we had not been in the club scene very long Mm -hmm. and DDLG has always been at the bottom of the kinky totem pole anyway Mm. so people weren't talking about it and they didn't quite have the vocabulary that we have now yeah Um, that relationship was a really foundational relationship in my life And it's something I've thought a lot about since then um, and wanted to recapture the sense of joy that we had playing together, Mm -hmm. something that I've tried to carry into every relationship since then. But that was sort of the foundational relationship for me, Mm -hmm. where I discovered that you could role play these these power exchanges and give each other a, a profound sense of safety, comfort and relief. Yeah, um, and I really wanted to carry that through. So Fifty Shades of Grey, for, for all that we can say negatively about it, did break open. Oh, it did kink into the mainstream, and mm-hmm. it became something that we could talk about. But DDLG really didn't quite get there for a while, mm-hmm. and so when I published uh, <coughs> Daddy Pi in two thousand and nineteen. Um, DDLG was still very much at the bottom of this totem pole and people were like, what the hell taboo crap are you publishing now? Yeah. Um, after <laughs> after writing Snowburn and then my second book that I published, which was um, Urban Fantasy... Um, and now I'm bringing out Daddy P.I. Yeah. So there was a little bit of shock and horror. <laughs> <laughs> I think among my readership, we're like, what the hell? Why are we getting a Snowbird sequel? Why are you giving us this crap? Um, oh, because they were waiting <laughs> for something else. They did not want that at all. <laughs> <laughs> a little surprised. Uh, so there was a certain amount of backlash um, about that. But I think people, um, as as it became more mainstream... As there was more, there were more daddy books that came out, um, people got more and more comfortable with the idea of it, began to understand that there's a difference between age play and daddy kink, um, and became more comfortable with the whole idea of an age play relationship between uh, two adult, consenting adults. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And once they did that, people found the book and realized that it wasn't um, as threatening. Yeah as they thought it might be. And, and since then I've had a lot of really positive feedback, but boy, 2019 was a rough old year.
0: I can imagine. We've had quite a few daddy authors on the podcast so far. Um, Many of them are going to be signing authors at the conference too. And I met some of them at Shameless and bought some of their books. Um, And I, and I did it specifically because I was one of those people that always struggled with that in Rome. I'm like, I just don't think I'm going to like it. And I had picked up one or two over the years and I was just very turned off by the whole thing. And, um, And the first one I read was Pepper North's, um, which now I've dug into some of Kate Oliver's and some of Becca Jameson's because, of course, I'm like, give me all of it because it's fun, right? I mean, and I read dark romance and contemporary romance, so the the dynamic, similar, but like real true age play scenes and that sort of thing, you don't see a lot of it. Sometimes you'll see your heroine calling them daddy and there's some of that. But it was extremely different for me reading Pepper's book and being like, this is like a real... Like a whole book that's based on this premise of that yep. safety and caretaking of the little, and I was just smitten with it. I was like, yep. "This was just too much fun." Um, and so I, you know, I as a reader personally jumping into some of these subgenres of romance, I'm, I, you know, I, you, I'm always, oh, I'll read anything, I'll read anything, and then I try once or twice, and I give up really easily. So I was happy that you <laughs> talked me into giving that one a go again. <laughs> <laughs> but let's transition a little bit because this is what you've written a lot of books. You've written a lot of novellas. Now I met you because of our steamy one shots. Yeah. Um, and so I want to talk a little bit about the erotica shorts and kind of how that all came about and how you got into that. Cause that's just fun.
1: <laughs> I have loved it. It has been absolutely the best thing that happened to me last year, uh, discovering yeah. the Patreon platform and then the, uh, The Patreon steamy one-shot hop Mm -hmm. uh, Were phenomenal for me Um, I've always considered myself A novel writer I've written uh, many more novels Than I've actually published But I have never written anything shorter Than 80,000 words Until last year (laughs) A lot of words Uh, So um, And I didn't think I had the skill Um, And a lot of that was coming out of uh, The the writing workshops that I attended when I was in my t- 20s and, and early 30s, mm-hmm. which were so focused on writing novels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's to their detriment, I think, because I yeah. think there's so much to the short story form. Mm-hmm. There are things that you can do in a short story that you simply can't do in a novel simply mm-hmm. because of length, totally mm-hmm. different, you know, focus and and um, character development that you need to do in a short story than you can do in a novel. It also gets me back to sort of my beginnings. Um, When I was reading as a teenager, a lot of what I was reading was serialized. I mean, Asimov Science Fiction and Fantasy, those magazines, they were serializing stories in all of those. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's what I read. I read comic books until I was in my very early 30s. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of those stories were serialized as well. Um, I was a very big reader of uh, a series called Mage. Um, which was a comic book and, and became a graphic novel series, and then Elfquest. It's funny. It's my um, husband
0: has brought that up multiple times, and I he's like, you would love movie. this one. You really <laughs> He's would. not a bit of a comic reader in years, but he remembers it from when he was younger, and he's like, you would love Mage. <laughs> Matt Wagner is
1: an awesome storyteller. He really is. And his characters are so out there, so quirky. Um, I I absolutely revere that guy as a storyteller. I think he's That's phenomenal. Awesome. Um, and he did a, another series called... Uh, I want to say it was called Gremlin, I don't think Mm. that's quite right, Um, but it was much darker and it had Mm fae roaming around in it, and the fae that he has are very much the same tradition that the fae that I write are, um, out of a Welsh uh, tradition rather than sort of a British or Scottish or or Irish tradition, Um, and they're dark. They are nasty little creatures who are out to bargain away your souls. Um, it's so much fun to read his stuff. But mm-hmm. Going back to this, to the one shots, um, the storytelling, the short story form is really different than the novel form, and I'd never written it, never tried it, um, and wanted to. Thought that this was something that I needed in my writerly tool chest, so when I saw the uh, a post go up, I think in subscriptions for authors, I thought, you know what, I'm going to take this opportunity and and learn how to write short stories, um, and I went back to Stephen King's On Writing, which is always my bible for all things writing related, uh, and read up there. I read up. Um, on a couple of different places about how to really write a short story. I pulled out the Bachman books. I don't know if you ever read those, but those Mm -hmm. are Stephen King's Mm -hmm. very, very early short stories. Mm. And they are not good (laughs) in a lot of ways. (laughs) They are really not well-written. But things like The Running Man and The Green Mile um, come out of those books. And Mm. so some of them are brilliant. They're just very uneven. Um, Mm -hmm. So I spent some time doing that. I read some short stories by Nancy A. Collins. I don't know if you ever read her, but she writes um, werewolf and vampire fiction. Um, Really sort of old school, Mm -hmm. not very uh, romantic, Mm -hmm. but very heavy on the sex, Um, very heavy on power dynamics. Um, And so I read her short stories as well, her collected short stories, and sort of reminded myself of the things that we had learned when I was uh, taking English class way back in high school about how you construct a short story, and then sort of unleashed myself on the poor people that wanted to give me money every month as my patrons. <laughs> so I've now written about 40 short stories for them. Uh, they're collected into two ebooks one that's out uh, already and one that's coming out at the end of the month. Um, And then a couple more short stories that will end up getting collected into box sets when the next Daddy PI box set comes out Uh, Those have been holiday novellas Um, But yeah, it's been phenomenal and the feedback that I've gotten from the patrons has absolutely blown me away They've been so supportive um, and (laughs) I I struggle with the length that we're going for with those steamy one-shots.
0: I really have a lot of trouble. (laughs) Writing I think yeah, you have some, some chunky ones. I know. I really uh, but ones. To be fair, I I kind of have two. So I found you guys when I was like battling the depths of burnout. Um, mm-hmm. And it was kind of one of those, like, I'm never going to be able to write again things, but it's my job. So I have two yeah. things. And um, I too did not think I was capable of writing a short story because I struggle so much and in the beginning, writing novellas. Like every time I'd be like, oh, this is going to be a novella. I would end up a book in a series. And I'm like, what is going on? I just can't do it. I can't do it in such a short period of time. And to be fair, my steamy one shots aren't really short stories. They're basically just fucking. But still, it's like three thousand words <laughs> of sex. I mean, there's that. a lot of stuff they got to do, right? Yeah, right. You got to get to the fucking. You gotta would, finish the fucking. Exactly. And you aftercare usually, or you know, That's I mean, cute. um. I guess it's a story in its own way. I'm definitely not writing it the way you're supposed to write short stories. Right. I'm basically writing sex scenes, and I um, was shocked. It, it, my readers loved it, and uh, you know, and it, it was funny because then I started once we had started everything, and I put a couple out there. I started digging in, and I'm like, okay, wait, what does erotica shorts really look like? Yeah. Started and, what you them? and like, what is it? What do you do with it? And how do you get them out there? And all this stuff. And it is. And I knew it was like a whole world of its own. I've sat in a few different panels on erotica before, and I've just been like, oh, I don't know if I could battle all that. You know, I mean, because it is, it is tough. Like, if you yeah. write erotica, it is tough getting your stuff out here, which is why I love the subscription platforms because of that. Right? Yeah, we face um, so much
1: less censorship on the subscription platforms than we do on the most.
0: Absolutely. Um and then as I delved into it, I realized the amount of people that were out there really just were writing what I was writing. Right. But with yeah. even less emotion, a lot of times, <laughs> I know. which I mean, I it's erotica. It's like, so right. of course we're that's all we are looking we're
1: for. On the page. Yeah.
0: Right. And, but as somebody who wrote long form books for so long, like it was hard for me as I'm writing the internal voice, like mm-hmm. I needed some of that in it. Um, and I loved it. Like it got me writing again. And I mean, I have what, like 15 now and they're all out in like multiple forms. And it's been a ton of fun writing them. Um, I do find it's like the one thing on the list that gets dropped every week though. Oh, no, <laughs> The week goes crazy. Which, I mean, as you know, my Saturdays are terrible. We used to do our spin. I'd immediately write my story. I'd edit it towards the end of the week. Like, I had my system in place, and my kid wanted to play baseball, and everything turned to shit. But that's finally done. Um, But I love the community of it, too. I love, like, the other—I mean, it's a group of authors. We all write steamy one-shops. We all post them once a week, you know, and they're fun. I mean— and I think I had shared this in our chat, like the, our, our fainting goat one is like one of my hilarious. favorite species. hilarious. They everybody love loves it.
1: Her, yeah. Everybody loves it. And her I'm story. like,
0: okay, you know, cause you never know what the wheel's going to give you. So for those of you who are listening and aren't familiar with it, there's a list of different writing prompts. And so EJ hosts a spin for us every Saturday morning or Saturday afternoon. And we get on and you cheap, Pushes a button and we gotta write whatever it gives us. <laughs> and I wrote my first 15, all were supposed to take place or have to do with the pendulum, which is the club in one of my series. Yep. And that was tough. That I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, how am I gonna make a dressing room scene for a kink club? It doesn't always
1: work. They don't always fit. It doesn't.
0: It doesn't. And they were designed um,
1: to, they're designed to push you a little bit and make you are. try to take something on that maybe you haven't done before.
0: And it's fun. It really is. Me? It's been really enjoyable. And so, you know, I look forward to seeing what it is every Saturday, even though I'm so far behind in writing them. I'm so far behind. I think I'm like two or three weeks, but it feels like forever. Because, you know, when you it, do it at Once really, you've dropped a week, it does feel beginning. I'm like, to oh, no, no, no. Um, but they've been a blast. And readers have enjoyed them. And, you know, I think there's a lot of different ways about going about it, too. Because um, there's some that, you know, you write characters that are often in your world, correct? all in my world all in your world yeah and my characters are predominantly new I mean each part of the collection there's you know always one character one couple that pops back up again and that's fun um but do you find it difficult jumping back into the brains of these characters that maybe have been in a book from a while ago yes yeah Uh, I'm I'm Uh, stacking the challenges for
1: myself just because you know I mean how high can you pile it before the weight crushes you underneath (laughs) it for 48 uh, hours straight (laughs) absolutely um never done short stories before uh never had anybody be involved in my writing process before I've always been really isolationist uh, as to my Mm -hmm. writing process um and never written outside the sort of main couple of a series. So Mm -hmm. my books previously have always focused on a couple and then sort of gone through their adventures together. And certainly that the Daddy P.I. books have. Um, So just to uh, like, you know, stack it high for myself, uh, short stories to a writing prompt, which I've never done before. Allowing my patrons to decide who was going to be in each short. I want to talk about that. Why not? You know, let's just go for it. And then giving myself a, re- a week to write it, it, it in it, between with, <laughs> yeah, with the other publications that I'm trying, I'm trying to Why bring not? out something possible four and possible as possible. Yes. Right? Let's just let's go for that. And I have a full time job, um, and I have a kid that roams around occasionally, wanting attention to, and a husband that I yeah. guess that I'm still married yeah, to. Yeah. not left me yet? It happens. Um, so <laughs> you know, um, but I've absolutely loved it it's given me an opportunity to explore characters that I never would have um, delved into before. Mm-hmm. So um, none of the characters, I take that back, a couple of times the main couple from the Daddy P.I. series pups in and out of these stories, but in general, they're not around. And the stories are about the, um, the dominance of the, the club called Blunts, mm-hmm. um, which is a sex club that features in the Daddy P.I. series. And the house submissives who are paid to work there, not paid for sex, but they are paid to work in positions like dancing in the nightclub or, Mm -hmm. you know, serving at the reception desk or wherever. And there are about uh, 40 of them. So the patrons have had a list of who is at the club and available right now to be doing scenes because we're at a certain stage in the books where not everybody is around. Um. And they picked from that and just sort of thrown it at me. And so I have to match those characters to the prompt and somehow write a story about them. And I only have a week to do it. <laughs> and I, we have a really limited uh, word count. I don't know if you've talked about this before, but our word count is supposed to max out at 1,500
0: words. Yeah. <laughs> never well, I'm double. not sure I've ever written one for 1,500. No, Mine are typically one. between two and 3,000, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there might be a couple that have been on the shorter side, but for the readers that are listening, and I know this is something that until I really got into subscription type reading, I had no idea as a reader that that authors have platforms out there like you have where you are taking in your readers direction, recommendations and so forth about what these stories are going to look like. Um, And so I want to talk a little bit about how that relationship between you and your readers has developed since that's happened, because that's, I mean, I give you credit. (laughs) <laughs> um, cuz <'cause> I don't <laughs> you think I'm crazy? I know you do. It's fine. I guys. just I am it? a total dancer, and we have talked about this on this on the mm. podcast before. Like I am writing in a trance. And yeah. there are times where I'm like, "Wait, what was this scene even supposed to be about when Whoa, I started it?" You know, right. like to be able to stick to something a reader was looking for or recommending would make me terrified. But how is that kind of developed the relationship between you and your readers? Cuz I imagine they become super freaking loyal if you're writing the characters they're looking for
1: uh it is you know in in the olden days uh the whole idea of patronage was that a patron would pay an artist to do this thing that the patron wanted them to do and whether that yes. was paint mm-hmm. them a portrait of themselves or paint you know a statue that they wanted in their house that was the fundamental start of patronage and i think we've come back to that certainly with my patreon because I am almost writing commission stories at this point. Yeah. Um, they get to decide which characters they are in it and they give me often a very, uh, not even vague, but just sort of general outlines of how the mm-hmm. story you know might go, what they might want to see in it, where it's set, what time it's set because we've only got three months between the, um, the Daddy PI 2 and Daddy PI 3 which is coming out this year. And that's when all of these short stories are taking place. So gotcha. they have to take place within a frame of time um, between sort of big events in the Daddy PI uh, timeline. And it's been awesome. Yeah, There's no other word for it other than being awesome. It's a collaborative writing effort almost um, for the first time ever. I've never done collaborations before. And mm-hmm. I, I love it. I love throwing ideas at them and having them spit thoughts back at me. Um, I have a meeting with them once a month uh, with the $25 and up uh, patron tiers, and I meet with them in Zoom calls once a month, and we talk about the stories that I've written the past month and where they're going and
0: what we're doing, and... (sighs) It's been so (laughs) cool. How many authors do things like this? I mean, I know there's some that are out there, there but you really take a lot of time to really develop what they're looking for in a story. And that's just so awesome. Um,
1: There have been moments when it's felt too directive, Mm -hmm. I will say. And... I kind of sort of settled that with myself by saying, okay, I'm going to let the Daddy P.I. series do that because I have very devoted readers to that series,
0: mm-hmm.
1: readers who are deeply invested in the characters. And I think that's that's a byproduct, not so much of my brilliant writing, although I'd love it to be that, um, but rather it's a byproduct of the power dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. Readers are tremendously protective of the littles in these books. Either because I identify with them or because they feel sort of a paternal sense Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. about them. But uh, I've noticed that (laughs) if you do something to a little of this book, boy, you better be careful about what you do and how you do it. Because readers become really, really upset um, if something bad happens to a little. So um, in in that sense, I have readers who are deeply devoted uh, to this series in particular. And, and not so much my other series, which is fine. Totally fine. So at any given time, I'm writing the Daddy P.I. series. I'm writing um, a, a paranormal series called Teddy's Boys. Um, and I'm kind of going back to the other books that I wrote <laughs> before any of this started and finishing those as well. Um, so with the Teddy's Boys series, I don't feel any compunction about involving readers in my process. Mm-hmm. I'm writing that series. I'm writing it. To be serialized um, on platforms like Radish and, and Ream, mm-hmm. uh, which you might have talked about a bit too. Um, so that that's those are releasing chapter by chapter or episode by episode, however yeah. you you want to look at it. Um, but I don't involve readers in that one at yeah. all. So that's purely mine to Thank express you. whatever's going on in my head uh, at the moment. But the Daddy PI thing has almost become a collaborative community at this point.
0: It's so neat. It really is. I love it. It's been great. Oh. So tell us what's, what you've got coming in next. You said you got Daddy P.I. 3 coming is that for,
1: What do <laughs> we what I
0: have coming up what's next? What's happening in your world in the future? Big year. Big year. So the
1: next thing that's coming out is the second volume of the short stories uh, okay. called Blunt's Tales 2. Um, Blunt's Tales 1, despite us writing to prompts and me not knowing what the heck I was doing, ended up having a story arc. To it, the thirteen mm. stories work in a time frame so that there's stuff that happens at the end of Daddy PI Point Two Point Zero, um, where the the subs at the at the club are feeling undervalued and unloved, um, and it gets much worse mm. through Blunt's Tales Volume One. In Volume Two, there is a, a group of dominants who begin hunting the subs. And doing things with them very specifically outside their hard limits, um, and and that's what's coming at the end of March. Wow! Um, and so you'll see things, references to the Wolf Pack um, and wolves in the advertising uh, for that series, and that's what that's all about. So the Wolf Pack is on the rise; they are they're beginning their hunts. Um, and the the characters who are going to be in 3.0 and then also the next book in the series called Midnight Floor's Monsters, they are beginning to be hunted um, as part of that process. That whole plot line is unfortunately based on my own experience in the Boston clubs in the uh, very late 1990s, when there was a group of dominants who felt that they... talk to a submissive in 20 minutes and know everything about them and everything they needed as a submissive, um, which I think is a a bogus concept to start with. Um, (laughs) But it led to horrific miscommunication um, and submissives being uh, really taken advantage of and abused. Um, And Mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about that experience. It's not an experience that's left me. I certainly still think about it quite a bit. Um, And it's not an experience that's gone. Um, yeah. Just because we've, you know, we're, it's 20 years later and we've hopefully yeah. moved on a little bit. Um, I still see it even in online forms mm-hmm. sometimes um, expressed. So I really wanted to bring that pot, plot point up and begin working through it. Um, mm-hmm. And so that's what the second Blunt's Tales is about. Um, going into 3.0, that gets played out even more. And also stuff that's happened previously Yeah, um, in the books gets played out. Um, and then Midnight Floor's Monsters will come, hopefully, towards the end of the year and finish that whole plot arc, um, but with a different but a different threesome. That oh. book is going to be uh, dominant and his two submissives. So that's what's happening in the Daddy PI world. Um, I have told my readers and my patrons uh, that 3.0 would be the last book um, featuring the Sunful couple mm-hmm. um, from the Daddy PI world, Logan and Emily. That's big deal. yeah, no one's happy. <laughs> no one's happy.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there comes a point in time when I think you have to get to, it, it, th- there either is going to be a happy ending for these characters or something is going to happen where it's not a happy ending for them. Right. And these characters have had sort of mini happy endings as we've gone along. Each mm-hmm. book ends is, is designed to be a complete Mystery mm-hmm. with an ending, a satisfying ending, and a happy ending. Um, but we're now to the point where they're getting to the babies, and we have to decide if they're going to stay together and have their babies right. together, or if they're not. And and I, this it's a romance. You know, there's yeah. going to be a happy ending for this, and I want to <laughs> resolve all the plot points, and then I want to move on with the other characters. But they're going to stick around; they're not going anywhere. Right. Um, and the hero is always going to have a very major you know, role at blunts um, as the master of training. So they're not they're not disappearing. Um, but I think this is the last book that's about the two of them, and then there'll be spinoffs um, from there, because we now have a cast of, own, of 100 supporting characters who have been <laughs> in these many right. one-shots, and well, many the of them would write like their own book. I'm sure they would. I'm sure they would. So oh, that's, that's the DPI series. And then in the Paranormal, I've got um, the next book in... Uh, the Teddy's Boy series coming out called The Loon's Daughter. Um, and I've already started releasing that on Patreon,
0: uh, chapter by chapter. So much fun. Lots of stuff, man. So many mental. things. Totally mental. <laughs> I mean, but why not? <laughs> it,
1: it's it's keeping blast, me so. engaged. Um, yeah. I was talking to my parents over the weekend, and my dad uh, has always been a very um, busy person and Mm -hmm. at 84 he's still very busy mentally Mm -hmm. um and so he's busy teaching my daughter and her cousin uh the basics of investment right now so they're 20 and he felt the need to teach them about cryptocurrency investment in gold markets how you distinguish one bond fund from another like i don't actually know how that works but is he taking anyone
0: else on because i I know I (laughs) (laughs) i mean right here Right. Passing that knowledge on to the younger generations. <laughs> so I bless him
1: it. for that. You know, absolutely. Yeah. And it's not his thing. He's a scientist. Um, but he's been doing wow. his own investment for 35 years. And so he yeah. said, you know, I'll teach the next generation. I was like, great, go for it. I want to be him. You know, yeah. when I'm 85, I still want to be that mentally engaged. And what's going to keep me that mentally engaged
0: is writing. Yeah. I mean the passion, it's the passion for it. Yeah. That's awesome. Oh, EJ, we're out of time. This was so much fun. Thank you. Thank you for sharing all this goodness with us. Um, We will get, for those of you who have been listening, as many of the titles that she dropped, I will try to... (laughs) Sorry, try to get some of those in the show notes for you uh but we will definitely get all of ej's contact info and where you can find her and all of her books and her patreon and all that good stuff down there for you too so uh for those of you who are our patrons as part of the Smut lovers community we are getting ready to record our bonus content so if you are not already subscribed to our patreon feel free to support us there you will get the extra spicy bits of fun and i already know what i'm ready to ask her so all right, you guys, we'll see you in the next one. <laughs> Have a great night. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Smut Lovers, the podcast. For more content, be sure to join our Patreon for an extra kinky 15 minutes with today's guest. Also, don't forget to subscribe and visit us at smutlovers.org. Until next time, happy reading.